Welcome to the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast. This is your friendly neighborhood podcast host, Daniel Bauer. Better Leaders, Better Schools is a weekly show for ruckus makers. What is a ruckus maker? A leader who has found freedom from the status quo. A leader who makes change happen. A leader who never, ever gives up. Imagine being 13 and your father is taken off to prison. And for whatever reason, you now are thrust into leading the family. So you accept the responsibility and do what needs to be done for your brothers, for your sisters, for yourself in order to survive. The problem is, the skill set that helped you navigate the challenges of leading a family from a very young age also hinder what you can accomplish leading organizations as an adult. This was a lesson today's guest, Christy Mann, had to learn, and this is exactly where we start today's conversation. You'll also hear about her great new book series that I highly suggest, The Adventures of Little Sass. So, Ruckus Maker, thanks for being here. And before we jump into the episode, I'd like to take some time to thank our show sponsors. Isolation is the number one enemy of excellence, and isolation is also a choice. There's a better way. In fact, here's what Michelle, a school leader in Maryland, has to say about the mastermind. The best part of the mastermind is a supportive community. School leadership can be isolating, but knowing I have a team of other school leaders with whom to share ideas, struggles, and wins gives me the courage and resolve to do what's best for my school community. Get connected and level up your leadership by applying to the mastermind today at betterleadersbetterschools.com forward slash mastermind. The Better Leaders Better Schools podcast is brought to you by Organized Binder, a program designed to develop your students' executive function and non-cognitive skills. Learn more at organizedbinder.com. The Better Leaders Better Schools podcast is brought to you by TeachFX. Using artificial intelligence, the TeachFX app enables instructional leaders to coach more teachers more often and more effectively. Learn how and get a special offer by visiting teachfx.com forward slash BLBS. Hey, Ruckus Maker, I'm here with expert coach, Dr. Kelly Crane, who is launching our fifth cohort of the Mastermind. You can apply today betterleadersbetterschools.com forward slash mastermind. And if you're curious of what we believe, we believe that leadership is hard enough. It's even harder in isolation. So if you want to plug into a powerful network, literally the best professional development available to school leaders on earth, then please apply. But we're here to share a tip of the week. And Kelly, what tip do you have for us today? Today, Danny, we're going to talk about first-year principals, and we want to share with them that you probably should not change anything in the very first year. Concentrate on developing relationships. Know who is who and, and really what is what. Teachers just really resent change sometimes, so any change better be warranted and really accepted and acknowledged by most as needed. So you just really want to be careful. You really want to be observant. You really want to listen and just kind of see how things are functioning in the school before you go and change anything. So important. And and one way I talk about is go slow to go fast. 
Uh, we're change makers, right? That's what a ruckus maker is. That's why you listen to the podcast. But you have to go slow to go fast and you have to build relationships before you can have the permission and earn that right to ask those you serve to do something difficult and different uh, that's going to be better for kids in the community. Any, any tips um, regarding building relationships or maybe how to throttle the, the passion you have for the change you want to bring, but you know that it's not yet time? Building relationships is so important, Danny. So I, I suggest that the principals are out and about. They're out in the hallways. They're greeting their teachers every day. They're walking by their classrooms. They're popping in and they're just kind of asking them how their evening was, how the weekend was, any plans coming up, and really get to know your teachers. And then when it comes time for that change, you're able to really talk with them. And where we're at in the Midwest, you know, we change seasons. And so people have to adapt to that. People change their clothes every day. And so I used to use that when we started talking about change. It's not as hard as we think. So it's it's really kind of interesting how people don't change and don't like change in education. And folks, you know, they, they like uh, my out-of-the-box thinking. So what would it look like to put a slideshow together of how your outfits have changed through the decades, right? Or your hairstyles and all that. And that's a great opportunity to be authentic, to be vulnerable, to poke a little bit of fun at yourself and to show that change does happen and we still survive. And maybe we even get better like a fine wine as we age. I love that, Danny. I, I like the <laughs> pictures of you, you know, tra- you know transitioning through the, the decades. That would be awesome. Yeah, I had to mute myself for a second. I'm cracking myself up. So Ruckus Maker, I hope you're laughing as well. Uh, We thank you so much for uh, listening to this show and enjoy the rest of the podcast. Christy Mann has made it her mission to fulfill her purpose of being a leader who develops leaders. Christy is a best-selling author, spiritual psychologist, leadership coach, speaker and kundalini yoga and meditation teacher, who designs and facilitates transformational content that make our world a healthier place to be. A proud member of CTI's faculty and organizational coaching teams and the creator of The Adventures of Little Sass, a series of emotional wellness books for young people. Join the adventure here at littlesass.com and at adventureoflittlesass or christyman.com and at christyman1. Christy, welcome to the show. Daniel, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here with you and all your listeners. At 13, you became the leader of your house and learned to suppress your emotions in order to survive. And years later, you learned a better way and began to access those emotions. Can you tell us that story? Oh, yeah. That's a good one. We're going right into it, Daniel. So so when I was 13, my father went to jail. And like one could imagine, it it completely turned my life and my family's life upside down. And at that young age and very pivotal age of my own development, I decided that I needed to take on a leadership role within the family. And I also thought that if I showed my emotions, that it would uh, show that like a chink in my armor would show that I didn't have it all together, you know, which of course I didn't. How could I? I was a kid and nor was I meant to, but you know, these are some of the things that I think 
as youngsters experience trauma, the stories we make up. So part of the story was, I can't feel my emotions because there's no time for it. And there's also no space to be sad or to really like experience the depths of the pain that I was experiencing below the surface. So I chose to put down, push down my emotions. And it wasn't until probably I was about 26, 27 that I started to really look at myself. I started to work with a therapist. Um, and that path led me into the field of coaching and leadership development. And it continues to open doors for me because as I've really learned how to have a better relationship with my emotions, it's strengthened my purpose in wanting to share the tools and the stories and everything that I've been learning with other people. So that brings us you know, to current day where I am doing leadership development work with adults. And I've also created the Emotional Wellness Children book series that you mentioned, The Adventures of Little Sass, so that children and adults can be in discussion around their relationship to their emotions as well. I remember from our intro call that really getting to the adults and having them access their emotions, especially in, in very important roles as a leader, you thought it'd be smart or you found that it would be easier to do through uh, kids. And, and that's just a very interesting approach. And, you know, was there a catalyst for that moment where you realize it's going to be easier to help the older generation access emotions through the younger generation? Yeah, there, there really was. So my work with CTI, which is the Coactive Training Institute, they're the world's largest and, and oldest in-person coach training school. I've um, had the great privilege of working with adults over the past 12 years, mainly inside organizations. So adults who are leading teams of people inside their organization and were brought in to help them take a coach approach to their leadership. And really ultimately from my perspective, to help them be more human. And what I mean by that is to be more connected to their emotions, to be more connected to the feeling of uh, how vulnerable it can be to be a leader, to be alive. (laughs) And what I noticed is when I was working with adults, often it was very difficult for them to connect to their own emotions and specifically in a professional environment. We've all been conditioned that you don't do that. You leave that part of yourself at home, you know, and, and compartmentalize. We also know though that the workforce is really shifting and there is much more acceptance and actually demand for people to bring their whole self to work. So I created the books because I noticed that when adults would start to talk about the children in their life, whether it was, you know, their own child or a niece or a nephew or a younger sibling or just if they were professionals working with children, when they would speak about the children, they would allow their emotions to be experienced. Mm-hmm. And that was, that was like the light bulb moment. It was, okay, there's something about the children in our lives that gives us permission to feel, to feel. It's like that's when we'll let go of the act or the guard or this story that we've been told that we have to kind of quote unquote keep it all together. What would little sass or what would big sass say to the ruckus maker <laughs> listening? The leader who is maybe more of the old guard that 
has been compartmentalizing her emotions, but wants to bring her full self to the staff and to the organization she leads, but doesn't know where to start. Mm. Well, let's do a shout out to those ruckus makers. So much, so much love and support. <laughs> shout out, ruckus makers. Yeah. You're doing great work, important work. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I like to think about how much energy do we put into suppressing our emotions? And if I'm a ruckus maker who, you know, is quote unquote, what you just said, like from the old guard and there's been conditioning that I can't bring more of myself into the workplace, you know, what would be possible if I just brought, you know, 10% more, not the whole kit and caboodle, but if I just was to be a little bit more vulnerable maybe open up a little bit more, feel a little bit safe sharing some of my emotions, what would be possible? So I'd start first by asking myself that that question, you know, what would be possible if I did that? And then the next part is, you know, what, what is the energy I'm using to keep these parts of myself, uh, compartmentalized? And if I was, wasn't using these, that energy to compartmentalize, what could I be using that energy for? Because this is one of the things I've noticed in working with leaders and in my own journey is that as I allow my emotions to be expressed, I have more energy. And because I have more energy, I can greater align to my purpose. I can connect more deeply with the people that I work with, that I work for, that I serve. I can connect more deeply with the people in my life, period. And that just leads to a more fulfilling life. I'm not talking about having emotions come up and it's like a Dr. Phil special. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm also not talking about being irresponsible with our emotions. So another place to start could be if the ruckus maker doesn't have a coach or a, um, you know, a trusted advisor that they feel safe where they could really learn to express emotions with, that's another place to look because I had to train myself how to allow emotions to come up in a healthy and responsible way. Because I suppressed them for so long, what happens often when we suppress them, they can just come out willy-nilly because we've been suppressing, 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 and it's like a geyser that blows one day. And then that, that actually defeats the whole purpose. That's not what my mission is about. That's not what I'm talking about. So the, the three points here for the ruckus maker who's you know wanting to bring, maybe be a little bit more self-expressed and more connected to their emotions, one is work with a coach or some kind of trusted advisor, mentor, therapist to support you in that. Two, ask yourself the powerful question, what would be possible if I brought a little bit more of this into my work environment? And then three, what's the energy that I'm using to compartmentalizing and what could I be doing with that energy instead? Mm. So appreciate that approach because we all can benefit from a coach or some community that's going to help us level up, you know, and especially how you ended there too, the energy, like that's a powerful reframe. It's costing me something as a leader to suppress those emotions. And sometimes we don't, we ignore those costs. So that's extremely, extremely powerful. That last point, really, what would be possible unleashes so much potential. You know, it is so much. It's like the what if question, you know, the why not? 
And it just blows the doors open for me. So I really appreciate all those points. Awesome. Thank you, Daniel. Oh, thank you. I mean, you're teaching me so much. So I know the Ruckus Maker is getting incredible value uh, listening to what you're sharing here. Woo-hoo. We, we talked about, woo-hoo. we talked about <laughs> reframing you know, this energy and the cost part. And something else that I've noticed in the short time I've gotten to know you, Christy, is your ability to reframe challenges. And one of my favorite books is called The Obstacle is the Way by Ryan Holiday. And I think similarly, you've figured out how to frame challenges as gifts. Why take that approach? How, how have you seen it benefit you? Well, that's, um, it's a very timely question. And I know I was just telling you before we started recording, I've just moved. I've moved um, a country, actually. And um, I'm having a whirlwind of emotions come up because I'm experiencing culture shock. I'm experiencing just so many things that I'm like, what, what is going on? And I thank you for reminding me that I believe that obstacles Mm. are the way. And a lot of that comes actually from, I had, I did a master's in spiritual psychology and what that training really taught me was to really lean into a perspective that things are happening for me, not to me. And that there's like this curriculum that I'm in all the time. So when there's an obstacle, I get to choose, you know, am I going to slug my way through it and resent it and, or resist it or just judge the heck out of it. And I, I might do that for a little bit because I do believe that's important too. And that's human nature. And sometimes that's the way we get to a resourceful place. Um, And then I, I try my darndest to get to this more resourceful place to say, okay, well, what am I supposed to be learning? You know, and that's the question I asked myself, what is, and and you said, you know, what is the gift in this is what am I supposed to be learning? You know, why, why is this happening right now? And, you know, and set, and again, the reframe is it's happening for me instead of to me. And then that's when I can see all of the support and the gifts that are surrounding me when I come from that perspective. Again, the powerful reframe that it's uh, happening for you instead of to you. Uh, it's it's also, I guess, becoming an owner of your story too, as opposed to a victim. Am I hearing that correctly? Most definitely. Most definitely. You know, how can I move from a reactive state, which is where, you know, the victim kind of mindset lives to more of a creative state where I can access resource, creativity, you know, and the gift, the learning and shift that obstacle into an opportunity. Hmm. Well, we're going to dig into more creativity and talk about the bigger vision behind Little Sass right after this pause for a message from our sponsors. The Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast is brought to you by Organized Binder. Organized Binder is an evidence-based RTI Tier 1 universal level solution and focuses on improving executive functioning and non-cognitive skills. You can learn more and improve your student success at OrganizeBinder.com. The Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast is brought to you by TeachFX. Imagine if you could give every teacher their own personal instructional coach. But now you can with TeachFX. Using the latest advances in artificial intelligence, TeachFX gives teachers private, personalized feedback 
on student engagement, all from the microphone of their phone, tablet, and laptop. Learn more and get a special offer by visiting teachfx.com forward slash BLBS. And we're back with Christy Mann. Earlier in the podcast, we talked about how she learned a better way and accessed her emotions and how she changes challenges and turns those challenges into gifts. And now we're talking about creativity. I know you have your new book, The Adventures of Little Sass Out. And can you share with the ruckus makers listening what the bigger vision behind this project is? Yeah. All right, ruckus makers. This is, I'm calling it the movement to bring emotions back and and I've added the movement to bring emotions back and make them okay. Because what I want is a world where adults and children feel safe to express their emotions in a healthy and responsible way. And the the books are the first step in making this vision real. My hope is that there's a curriculum so that, um, that we could we could spread throughout schools, we could spread throughout communities, we could spread throughout organizations. But the purpose of the curriculum is to help adults and children come together to talk about particular emotions, to learn tools, to express them, and um, hold space for others. And what I mean by that is um, being neutral when someone else is experiencing sadness, anger, joy, whatever emotion it is, but have the ability to be neutral and not judge them or try to fix them or, or push it away because of our own discomfort. So I'd love to create a curriculum. I'd love to see that there's toys that teach the somatic connection between our bodies and our emotions. It would be a high dream of mine for children to learn that, you know, as as soon as they start playing with toys. I would like there to be animation and a video game. I'm really passionate about creating content that is going to up-level our children. And, you know, I'm concerned about the animation and video games that have violence in them. And I envision the characters of the adventures of Little Sass, much like the books, but in an animation or in the video game, they go on these adventures. And what happens is something happens that triggers an emotion. And they then have different choices that they can make as far as experiencing that emotion in a healthy and responsible way. And right now I've gamified it in a, in a smaller way. So there's in the book, little Sass gets a cape from a healer that lives on her property. And her name is Mrs. Moo. And Mrs. Moo says to little Sass, this cape is for you to experience your emotions. You're going to have sad days, angry days, joyful days. Use this cape, use this cape to feel your emotions. That's your right as a human being. And Little Sass does that in the story. So I, I would love to see that, you know, toys become, a, like I said already, a bigger part of this whole vision. There's, with the cape, if you, everything's available on amazon.com right now, there's what's called emotional wellness badges. And right now there's three books, The Adventure of Sadness, The Adventure of Anger, and The Adventure of Joy. So when you've read the book and you've completed the discussion guide at the back of the book, you can then stick the emotional wellness badge on your cape. So part of the bigger vision is that we live in a world where we've reinvented superheroes and adults and children put their cape on. That's one of Sass's favorite lines. She says, cape on. And their capes are covered 
in all of the different emotions that they've been brave enough to experience, to take responsibility for, to allow others to experience, so that we've created a world where you know it's safe and it's it's normal to have emotions. So Chrissy, you know, I'm curious if there's anything that we do as adults, parents, teachers, school leaders that harm kids' emotions. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think your story you just shared is a good start. It's the having um, like step one, just being aware of when we feel the need to correct or punish or create a consequence for the child. Let's just check in with ourselves first. Is the emotion or the behavior that's happening disruptive to the class, you know, to the person, or is it really something that's just disturbed inside me? You know, and if it's just disturbed inside me, maybe I need to like breathe a little and, and let that pass. I think another thing that happens that can be a negative is when we tell the children in our worlds to not have the emotion. So if they're crying because maybe they've fallen and they're hurt and we say things like, well, don't cry. There's no need for tears. That is actually shutting down the emotion. And one of the things we all know about kids, for the most part, they are so emotionally flexible. They can be sad one moment, angry the next, laughing in complete ecstatic joy in the next second. And it's a beautiful thing about children. It's, it's this resilience that we, we lose as we get older. So I think to be mindful of shutting down the emotion rather than just holding a neutral space. And when the emotion comes up, we could just you know, be like, you know, okay, you're sad right now. Just, just be sad. Let it happen. Let, let, let the tears out. And, and it normally passes. You know, it's when we don't let them have that moment that things can um, go in a different direction. So interesting when you sort of let things be that they'll pass. And when you try to control <laughs> and stop and block and I don't know what it is, but it, it explodes. It, it gets more volatile. Yeah. Yeah, that is such a good point. I think not just with our emotions, but in general. <laughs> the more we just let things just kind of be, um, they do have a way of working themselves out. Uh, humans fall under that as well. Yeah. Christy, if you could put a message on a school marquee that would share the same message around the globe for just a day, what would you like that marquee to say? Mm. Well, the first thing that came to mind was cape on, C-A-P-E-O-N, because that's what little Sass says when she puts her cape on right before she allows herself to fully experience the emotion. And so I, I, like, that is something I'd love to become as well known as, you know, Google it. It would be cape on, right? Like I'm at work and I say to my colleague, I'm putting my cape on, you know, um, or I'm at home with my kids and you know, it was like, mommy, mommy's putting her cape on. And, and then the marketer in me is like, okay, well, maybe there's something that will be a little bit more accessible. So it might be something like my emotions matter, mm. you know, or your, or your emotions matter or your emotions are okay. I would like for there to be a marquee that just gives people permission to feel their emotions. Bottom line. You're building a school from the ground up. 
You're not limited by any resources. Your only limitation is your imagination. How would you build your dream school? And what would be your top three priorities? Ooh. <laughs> I love this. Okay. I have um, a strong background in experiential learning and training. And I would want to create the school that has that's in nature so that there's a lot of um, opportunity for our learners to be out in nature and learning from the natural ways that you know the planet kind of works. I would love for there to be also the outdoor space so we can have things like rope courses and um, lots of opportunity for um, health and fitness and, and you know moving the body in that way. As far as curriculum, I, my dream, Daniel, and I know it's so many ruckus makers dreams as well is to have a curriculum that is super accessible and realistic for like living everyday life. So I think having, you know, emotional wellness classes is important, but I also think teaching kids about finances and how to manage your finances, how to, you know, create a resume, how to, deal with like politics in the workplace. My gosh, had I had a course on that in school, that would have saved me a lot of heartache over the years. So a curriculum that's designed for life, you know, it's really about how do I optimize my life experience by, by learning about it in this incredible container where I get to have these experiential experiences that make it really real. Like I'm going to be interviewed for a potential job, you know, at school. And I get to really experience like the stress of that and, and work through the anxiety of, you know, uh, basically talking about my strengths and my opportunities. Am I answering the question? Cause I feel like I could go on about this. I mean, my brain's just going off. <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. Uh, those real world opportunities and making the learning authentic, uh, I think is extremely important. Yeah. And then, you know, how can we have our children access diversity and different cultures, different ways of living. So is there, there would be like budget where we can take them on these incredible quests to different parts of the world so that they can see um, how other people live, you know, and, and also give back, you know, to let uh, communities that are less fortunate I, I would love for that to be part of every curriculum because I think we both know and the ruckus makers listening and teachers listening is that when we give back, when we're in service, boy, does it amplify our learning, you know, and it, it really gives us a different perspective of how fortunate we are when we, when we have opportunities like that. Well, Christy, thank you so much for being a part of the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast. Of all the things we talked about today, What's the one thing you want a ruckus maker to remember? Ruckus makers, I want you to get your cape on and I want you to remember that your emotions matter. It's okay for you to have them. And the children in your life, you know, will benefit from that authenticity and vulnerability. So will the people that you lead, you manage, that um, you have personal relationships with. So cape on. And just go for it. Your emotions matter. They're important as you are. Thanks for listening to the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast, Ruckus Maker. If you have a question or would like to connect, my email, daniel at betterleadersbetterschools.com 
or hit me up on Twitter at Alien Earbud. If the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast is helping you grow as a school leader, then please help us serve more ruckus makers like you. You can subscribe, leave an honest rating and review, or share on social media with your biggest takeaway from the episode. Extra credit for tagging me on Twitter at Alien Earbud and using the hashtag BLBS. Level up your leadership at betterleadersbetterschools.com and talk to you next time. Until then, class dismissed.